Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Now, since March 2020, of course, the whole world has changed. And for the education sector, having edtech companies allowing children to learn remotely and for schools and teachers to be able to set work has been invaluable. And today I get the insights of CEO of Satchel, Namish Gohill. And he's going to talk to us about his experiences and the insights that he's gained over these last few months, which hopefully will give us guidance into what could really help us as we start our new academic year. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education, who continue to support this show, for which we're incredibly grateful. And I just wanted to let you know that on a recent podcast episode I produced for them, I interviewed Beth Tweddle, Great Britain's most successful gymnast, and she has a new online program which is being launched ready for the autumn. So please go and check that out. If you go to nape.org.uk and just click on the podcast tab, you'll see all the podcasts there and you can get all the insights and load down about exactly what's possible and what's available to you through the Beth Tweddle Gymnastics. But today we're going to be talking all things EdTech with CEO of Satchel, Namish Gohill. Hello Namish, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Tell us a little bit about Satchel and exactly the sorts of um, research and some of the data that you've come across since this COVID crisis is starting. Hi Mark, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, so it's just been uh, unbelievable usage from our perspective. So Satchel is a is a learning platform that's used by uh, one third of all secondary schools in the UK. And since COVID-19, we've just seen exponential usage. Um, we have pretty more, more or less uh, a million daily active users at the moment. And that's been consistent since the, the lockdown, particularly when we had the announcement of the school closures. Tell me a little bit about the way people have used it. Have, have you sort of found that it's it's been different um, because of the circumstances or have you found that it's just been more people being in, being online? Yeah, um, I think it's um, I think it's a combination of both things, really. Um, and what we have seen is teachers have certainly accelerated how, how they're using Satchel One much more throughout the school day. We, you know, we, we used to see patterns where uh, a lot we used to see a lot of usage after school. But what we're now seeing is actually um, significant uh, usage throughout the school day. I mean, if I give you one example, um, I think, uh, you know, during that the first two weeks of the lockdown, we had teachers set uh, approximately 53,000 classwork tasks in the early hours, um, literally at six o'clock in the morning compared to what would be, you know, two, three thousand on a normal week. So one of the things that we've noticed a lot as I've talked to people in recent weeks, it's kind of the way that the whole sort of tech industry from an education point of view is likely to morph or change or expand once um, we go back to school in in a more normal fashion. And do you think that teachers' experiences of, of using these products in, in this particular um, recent times is going to change the way they're going to do it moving forward? Or do you think it will return to some kind of normality or a combination of the two? I think what this crisis has showed us is how proactive teachers have been in terms of embrace, embracing technology. Prior to COVID-19, you could argue 
that you had a number of teachers that were potentially on the fence. Uh, however, um, what COVID-19 has done is really accelerated um, teachers embracing technology. And I think for a lot of teachers out there, um, they've probably been surprised themselves at how impactful technology can be. And like with most things, you know, you, you sometimes have to take that first step forward. Um, and, and I think that's what we've seen. And so uh, I believe when things, you know, return to some kind of normality, um, we will see teachers continue to use technology in ways that will uh, help them to teach better, to be more efficient, to reduce their workload. Whereas in the past, they may have, you know, you know um, stuck to their, to, their, to their old ways. Whereas now that they've experienced this new world, I don't think we're going to see that fall by, fall by the side. I think it's very true, isn't it, that a lot of what was going on before the schools locked down is, is it's very hard to change because you're you're in a routine. Whether, whether you'd like it to be different or you know there's new products and ideas out there that might help you, the, the, the effort and the energy that's needed to do that is something which kind of just gets moved a little bit. Um, and I think because everyone was forced into this situation, everyone was just suddenly looking around for what are the options and, and what could be happened. So... Do you think, from your experience, you've got the same number of people on your platform, but just using it more, or because of the fact of, of, of the, your recent success with all your awards and, and things like that, that people were actively looking for something new to use to make all this happen online and, and that you've gained much more customers as well? Yeah. So during the initial kind of scramble, uh, when, when, we, when we initially had the, the announcement of the school closures, yeah, we saw lots and lots of new schools uh, come on board and subscribe to you, Satchel One. Um, then, then has I think has things have started to um, calm down. Uh, we've certainly noticed a, a a drop in terms of potentially new business. Whereas what has happened is existing users have been using the product more and more and have been um, using more and more of the. Uh, new functionality that we've introduced during COVID-19. So it's been a bit of a double-edged sword because historically for us, um, this period is the is the busiest period for us in terms of uh, new schools and, and new business, uh, yeah, new schools uh, joining Satchel. However, I think it's, you know, it's understandable that schools today are making do with what they have and you know, dealing with other fires at the moment, uh, which naturally take uh, a, a precedence in the current climate. And so I guess that that really depends on, like you say, some of the systems that were already in place. And we were chatting just before we started recording about our, our own children and, and because of the, the ages and because of what the school had in place, or all three of, of my children have sort of had different experiences in that scenario. So do you feel that maybe some of the companies that have been in the in the market for longer Will have, will have gained more because they, they, they will have had the chance for just more users, like you say, using more of their more more of the programs and things that they've got. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think if you if you have a if you if you if you if you've already been embedded within schools for a long, long time, then I think um, it, it's it's better than the devil, you know, so to speak. And so um, we see schools will be making do with what they have versus thinking about um, subscribing to new tools. Um, 
especially during those early days of uh, COVID-19, I think what we will see is how, as, 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 as there becomes more and more clarity in terms of, you know, when schools are going back, what the expectations are, I think we will start to see um, school leaders um, start making decisions again and planning for the next school year, knowing that knowing they have a, a much more clearer picture of what what the lay of the land looks like. I completely agree, and I think one of the things which is going to be really interesting is, is like you're saying before, that there's the initial firefighting and the and the better the devil you know kind of making do, making sure that there's something in place, which I think you know as an edu- education industry if you like has been fantastic all the way across the board to be able to just suddenly have this happen and get as many children still learning from home it's been remarkable but I think there has to be a little bit in the back of everyone's minds this might happen again you know even if it's only small parts of a lockdown or or actually now we've done some remote learning in 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 different ways that we've never done before that actually there's some real benefits to this and I think what leaders and and heads will do is they'll start to think now if we're going to have to implement something in case or we want to implement something because we can see the real benefits for this that's when like you say people are going to start to look around and really get an idea of what's out there and I guess that's really that highlighting is going to be really something you can make the most of. Yeah absolutely and I think you know from from our perspective as a you know we've been in education for since 2011 now um, we've been through cr- crisis situations like this, maybe not as severe, but one of the things that we found is the most important thing is to just be supportive, empathetic, um, and and uh, be be available for for schools uh, and for school leaders that that we work with. And so that's really what we try to do, even though we may be, you know, uh, we we may not have hit um, kind of the the our targets or our uh, 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 aspirations, um, we know that by continuing to be uh, empathetic, provide value, um, over time we can continue to partner with these schools as they come out of the other side. And I think that there's so much about these things where it's interesting looking back, isn't it? You know, the, the fact, you know, being an industry leader and being able to, to speak at various events, like I say, having a company that's been around for a few years, having people on board and and having all the resources and and all the technology in place you don't know when that's going to become a real benefit but like you say to have all that expertise to support everybody is such a is such a great thing to be able to to do at this time uh yeah thanks mark yeah i think that's that's always been a a key to us i think you know in education if you want to build a brand um you have to have a very long-term view so, like, I mean, it's not always obvious, but, like, you know, we support, yeah, nearly a million users every single day. But we also support students, parents. Um, so, you know, when people get stuck outside of um, outside of school hours, um, we try to provide that support because we know that that's when help is needed. And so it's, you, you need to be responsive. You need to be uh, proactive. So, yeah, so we, we invest a lot in terms of not just the software side, but the service side, and I think that's that, that's um, that's really helped us over the years. 
So let's talk a little bit about exactly what is available for people. Obviously, there'll be some people listening who, who use Satchel already and, and are fully aware. But for those people that maybe are coming coming to it for the first time, tell us about the scope in terms of the resources you have, the programs you have, and, and how schools use you. Okay. Um, so so typically, um, what we what, what we provide is essentially uh, a, a lightweight learning platform. And what that basically means is, if you're looking for something, uh, a, a simple tool to help you with distance learning, remote learning for your students, for you to be able to uh, keep parents um, in the loop, uh, then we provide a really simple solution that allows you to do it. So typically, you know, not a, a, a common use case is you will have teachers, they will set some classwork or some homework. This could be assignments, spelling tests, quizzes, and they will set that piece of work for a class or for an individual. And then once that piece of work has been set, those students can either do that online or offline or submit that piece of work. And at the same time, we give parents uh, a bird's eye view um, so they know actually uh, what homework, you know, little Johnny has to do today, tomorrow, uh, the following weeks, so they can be more informed in terms of how the, uh, what the workload is and how they can best support. So it's particularly useful, you know, um, if you have, uh, well, you know, we have children that have uh, dyslexia or special education needs, um, but it just means that um, as a parent, you have all of that information in one place, and so you can support your son or daughter um, with, with all the relevant information without, you know, uh, having to find out uh, or look through their bag and find bits and pieces. And so that's that's a typical use case. And of course, we, we save teachers lots of time because uh, as you start to get uh, department uh, members within 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 the department using the, the product, then everyone saves time because if you create some work, Mark, I could reuse it. If I created something, you could use it. And so you end up building a library of resources that everyone within the school can use in order to save time and so yeah i mean we do other things as well like you know of course you can do messaging so you can send notices and um, messages about events or whatever it may be to keep everyone in the loop but fundamentally um, it's a really really lightweight um, solution that you can get up and running literally within like a couple of hours to help you with distance learning and so that that's a very different standpoint than the kind of some of the companies and some of the um, systems that are in place which basically run the entire school network in terms of payments for things and, and just lots and lots of, of diversity going on and I guess that simplicity is something which is a real benefit when you're just trying to get people to adapt a new idea. Yeah and I think you know I think if you come from the teaching world you know I mean there was a there was a famous uh, you know saying you know um I can't remember who quoted it now, but um, it was, um, you know, consistency leads to outstanding outcomes. And one of the things I find with technology is um, you have to really design, uh, you have to make products uh, useful and accessible for everyone across the school. If you just focus on those power users that are, are like IT or tech users, then what you're going to do is you're going to have pockets of technology used within the classroom or within the school, and then you won't be able to embed it. You won't be able to create the routines and that consistency. And I think what we've always tried to do is focus on uh, making it super simple for everyone across the school to use it so you don't have to be you know, a, a, an IT whiz or a, or, 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 or a technical expert. That's really not the point. 
um, technology should be a bit like, you know, like electricity or, you know, if you pr press the light switch and the light turns on, you don't need to think about how it all works. You know that if you press it 100 times, uh, that, you know, the light's going to turn on 100 times. Um, and I think that's that's where we tr really try to focus on building products that are just simple to use. A bit like Ronsil, you know, does what it says on the tin. You can uh, without having to worry too much. I think I think that's really important, and and I think it's something that we could all recognise these days is the fact that as the technology gets more advanced, we don't know all the implications of how it works. But as a user, we just want to know how to use it and the fact that it will. Um, and, and it sounds it's, it's like it's that sort of thing that we do, you know, the old days of having a, a car that used to break down every weekend that you used to then fix yourself to get you going the next week is kind of is way gone now. You know, it, the, you open your bonnet to your car and there's so many computers and so many things in there that you just you want it to be reliable because it has to be that way. Otherwise, it needs to be taken somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then, you know, teachers, as we all know, right, are under immense pressure and you know, they just don't have the time. I think, you know, I've, 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 I've heard some reports and read some, you know, um, articles where pointed out that teachers are not working as hard as they should be. I mean, from what we've seen, teachers are going above and beyond. Um, and it's been incredible to see how our teachers who are on the front line, you know, providing education in very difficult times, who are also parents, you know, so they're, they're having their own challenges at home. Uh, but by and large, we, we think the our education force have done fantastic. Um, and, and the data and the usage that we see as we work with one in three secondary schools is is a decent sample to go off the back of. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think the, the, the one thing which I think is slightly... It's slightly worrying for me a little bit in terms of we're, we're now sort of um, early mid July as we're recording this, and and it's the fact that that sense of and now we're getting back to normal. I think just can't be true. That there, there are too many variables, too many things have happened, too many things need to kind of slowly and surely morph in order for any kind of normality to sort of come back in into place. And like you say, that's in, related to learning. It's related to family situations. It's the fact that just the fact we've been through such an important and and difficult time for people will take a little bit of time for it to kind of work out of our system, even even if it if it even if it seems to be heading in the right direction. And I think being aware of all of that is really key. And I think, like you said, if you've got systems in place and you've got technology in place that you know works and you can just keep that regularity moving forward and supporting people in terms of time then that's going to be a very positive thing especially as we start to hit September and October and the autumn term yeah absolutely I think you know you're, you're spot on because I think we're definitely in for a few more surprises aren't we unfortunately um, you know I think it'd be naive not to think that um, there's going to be some difficult times ahead as we approach winter and I think that's one of the really important reasons why I've been keen to have these kind of conversations uh, as we've moved on through this crisis because I think awareness understanding people having options and and just not having to just visit a website and think this looks like a great product but to hear the people behind it and the understanding and, and I think one of the most important things um, from a satchel point of view of course is that you know you started in education you, you didn't come just from an IT field so tell us a little bit about that kind of how it all got together and, and, and where that kind of education 
and technology sort of more for you decided to create a whole new project? Yeah, so uh, I guess, well, I've always been a bit of a geek. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I come from a, uh, yeah, I, I did computer science at university. Um, and then once I'd graduated, I ended up uh, working for a software company in Lisbon. And then I kind of got fed up of that because I was vegetarian. And so, of course, you know, Lisbon's great for seafood. Uh, and so forth. But um, yeah, after eating sandwiches at the Marriott Hotel for about 14 months, um, I decided it was time to um, come back to London. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, once I'd come back to London, I ended up doing some voluntary work um, within a school. Um, and so this was a time when the government were really pushing the kids to learn more about Dider, Cider, um, and, and using tools like Macromedia, Flash, Fireworks, and unfortunately, there just wasn't that many, um, there wasn't that much IT uh, knowledge available in terms of uh, teachers who could who could do that sort of thing. There was a real shortage. And I, I always kind of loved working with kids. And yeah, my experience in school wasn't very good, uh, which I'll come on to later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was, it, I, I got really, got really excited. And that's what prompted me to uh, do my PGCE. So I ended up doing my PGCE that year at the Institute of Education. And then within a short period of time, I ended up getting a job as a director of e-learning, which is essentially a glorified job title for a head of IT managing myself <laughs> in, a, in a school in West London. And then uh, when I was there, it was, I was part of the boys' school. So, there were, well, there was just the boys' school. And um, over, within a short period of time, I had managed to kind of um, transform the results at that school from kind of very low, you know, uh, GCSE results to like 80, 90 percent within the space of a year. And I, I didn't really do anything um, that was like rocket science. Uh, what I did do was open up the classrooms. We had all this technology. And prior to my arrival, we, you know, uh, all of the all of the computer rooms were always locked up, and so the first thing I did was just open all the computer rooms. You know, we created breakfast clubs, lunchtime clubs, after school clubs, and um, yeah, I just tried to kind of inspire the kids and get them to learn more about the stories behind the products and services that that, that they would use. So so things like um, you know, like this was a time when like Farmville was like really popular. Uh, it was one of the games from uh, uh, Zynga. Uh, on Facebook and so I'd often tell the stories kids about you know the way these companies started were was based from the back of a back of a garage or inside a garage and I would I would use that to kind of inspire the kids to kind of teach them to use tools like scratch and animation and yeah ultimately uh, th those were the things that really uh, made a difference to our results but ultimately um, that gave me that that gave me the idea to to start looking at kind of what I could do to improve technology within our own school, because as part of my remit, I was in charge of um, implementing a learning platform that was so cumbersome and so complicated to use that, you know, I'm a geek and I found it hard to use. So how could I expect, you know, 50 teachers after school to learn how to use this? And, you know, ultimately as I, as I became um, uh, an assistant head teacher, across uh the my school and as we as we joined as we became part of a federation i became an assistant head teacher across the boys school and girls school 
And that's when I started to think about um, building something myself uh, because as part of my remit being part of the senior leadership team, um, I had to implement technology across the two schools. And so, yeah, that's when I just started coding in the morning, coding in the evening. And you know, I knew that I couldn't build a learning platform. So I really started off focusing on what was the one pain point that teachers, students and parents always complained about. And that was homework. And so that's when I first created our first product, which was called um, Show My Homework, uh, which has now morphed into, you know, uh, Satchel One, um, the learning platform. And what I love about that is the fact that these things come from real life situations. You know, you're not just sitting down thinking, oh, what can I do next? It's actually solving a problem which you're dealing with every day. You're, you're seeing it from the front line. You're, you know, you've got the experience on both sides in terms of education and the IT side as well. And I think that's so, so important. And, and it really, I think from a, from a, a modelling point of view, you know, to, you know, to see... Um, the students been able to see that and for staff to see that and for you to understand it from from every side I, I think is is really really interesting and I can I can really understand then why it becomes so successful you know in, in terms of just like I say it's a pain point it's something that needs solving but it has that kind of almost kind of like an overarching idea of, of exactly where it fits into the world that it sits rather than just you know solving a particular issue. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think, you know, like in education, you can't just have uh, whizzy technology. You have to, you, you have to, sounds obvious, but like you have to solve problems because teachers just don't have time. And I think not only do, do you have to solve a problem, but I think it's really important that you have to put yourself in, 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 the, in, in the other person's shoes, especially teaching and education. Um, you have to really understand that world in terms of how you speak, um, you know, uh, uh, have an appreciation for what they worry about, what their day looks like. And I think it, it does make things much easier if you've walked, if you've worked in that world. Um, yeah, absolutely. And let's, you talked um, about your sort of professional experience within school there, but um, tell us a little bit about your sort of experiences, maybe when you were a bit younger or any particular teachers that made a, a really big impact on you. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so, 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 uh, yeah, I, I spent, uh, I, I went to a school in East London. I, I grew up in East London. And um, when I was a kid, I, I, I always wanted to be a footballer. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that didn't pan out. And um, I ended up getting all lower letters of the alphabet for my GCSEs. Uh, so, yeah, I, rem I remember that day vividly. You know, when in those days you used to get a brown envelope with your results. And, yes, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I've forgotten that, but that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I was I was terrified, you know. Um, I was terrified about going home. Uh, but normally, um, normally, as soon as you get your results, you then have to go to college. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, or I say go college, but you have to go to the college to or the sixth form to go and enroll uh, with your results uh, and pick a course and of course you know knowing that at that time everyone everyone was doing A-levels you know I didn't know anything else uh, but I couldn't do A-levels because I didn't get uh, a C grade in in maths and English and so yeah I was dreading not you know um, I was dreading what I'm going to tell my parents uh, in case I didn't have any course to go on to at, at college but yeah in those days um uh, luckily, they ended up taking me on board, and I did something called um, GNVQ, 
um, which in, in hindsight, I, I don't think it was a, yeah, it wasn't very difficult. Um, but yeah, that's another story. But going back to your question, I would say it, it was definitely my form tutor. You know, I'm still in touch with her, uh, Miss Rayson. Um, she was a, uh, she is still a, a fantastic influence on me. And, um, you know, the, the thing I always take away from school is, um, um, I, I had a lot of love and empathy from my form tutor, um, over that, over that period. That was, um, I always remember that, how important it was to, I knew that I could, um, no matter what the situation was, uh, she was always very supportive and empathetic uh, towards me, no matter what I did, and I, yeah, you never forget that. It's it's something which comes up time and time again now, and and, it, and it's beginning to really um, awaken me to you know the the key elements to what education is. And you're you're right, you know there are tools, there are subjects, there are key things that you learn, but the real magic happens when there's a real connection between people, and that can be peer to peer, it can be um, teacher to pupil, but it's that kind of I see you, I understand you, let's decide what it is that you need. And that could be absolutely anything. But I think when you realise that we're human beings relating to each other, then you can make the most of the situations that you're in, good, bad or indifferent. And and it's and, and I and I hear this over and over and I think that's where you know that's where real education comes in. And I think one of the things which I love more and more about talking about technology within education is the fact that if if you can free up time to give teachers more time to be able to do that human to human side that has to be a real benefit yeah absolutely i mean you know that that's the magic of teaching you know you can help shape young minds and you know the future of tomorrow um yeah even when i used to teach i mean i still go you know go into schools you know now and again and i'll do assemblies and that's the thing i love most like you know you see how kids uh, develop and grow and I mean I see this in my staff now we've got we've got a lot of lot of our staff at Satchel have not hit a home run before you know there's a lot of rough diamonds and it's been I've got some 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 of my team have been with me for like seven years now and it's been so wonderful to see you know that those folks like continue to grow evolve and um, you know the only thing that we do as a company is give them opportunities and encouragement and confident confidence and I think yeah I see that in me when I was growing up you know uh, Miss Rayson or my, my my form teacher that's what she consistently did just encouraged me gave me gave me confidence um, and yeah that uh, that certainly left a mark and I think that really comes comes across and you know you only have to look around your website and you know one of the things which is striking is the fact that you're talking about your values and some of the key things that are important to you as an organization and that to me just makes me think you know like you say we're not talking about just tech we're not just talking about giving you a service we're actually talking about you know not human to human as in teacher and pupil we're talking about an organization as a group of humans trying to support a whole world within the education um sector to sort of to work on that on that level and and and, and it comes across from what you've been saying and I, I think and it comes across in, in what you're providing as well thanks mark yeah i mean you know education you need a long-term view and you know for us it's you know um i mean our tagline is you know together through education and you know we want to we hope we can be a partner for school leaders, for parents, for students, as they 
are going through their journey on education, we hope that we can help them in some way or form. Um, I, I always like the idea of, you know, when you think of like, you know, search, you think of Google, when you think of like shopping, you think of Amazon. I hope that like, you know, one day we can, we can be synonymous with education. Um, but you know, that, that's a long-term goal. Like there is no quick uh, flip or quick win in education. You need a, a, a long-term mindset. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and tell us, what do you think was the best piece of advice that, um, that's ever been given to you? And, or, or maybe a piece of advice you'd now give your younger self looking back that you think would be supportive for everyone? I, I come from a, a very working class background. You know, my, my dad worked in a, in a mattress factory for many years and then he worked in a supermarket. One of the things my dad always told me was education, education, education. And uh, he said, just work hard, work hard, don't take shortcuts and eventually things will fall in place. And, you know, I think sometimes I see today um, people are always trying to uh, rush, you know, get to the destination, uh, always trying to kind of look for shortcuts when actually um, you just have to embrace the journey. And, uh, and you know, there are going to be difficult times. Uh, there are going to be difficult challenges ahead. But actually forcing yourself to persevere and get through those will will put you in good shape. And I think, yeah, like I, I always have seen my dad work, you know, long, long hours for a continuous period of time. You know, um, like we're not talking a month. We're talking like 10, 15, 20 years. And he still works really, really hard. <laughs> and so that kind of, uh, that work ethic has really um, instilled in me. And I think even now, as I look at our company, like we really don't care about what university you went or what your job title is. Everyone needs to kind of roll their sleeves up and, and work hard and treat people with some, you know, with, with respect. And then, yeah, if I was to give myself, you know, the younger me, I would say, well, I'd say three things, right? <laughs> um, take the plunge earlier. So uh, whatever, whatever you are passionate about, uh, don't be afraid to take that first step forward. Um, it's a bit like riding a bike, you know, like, a, you know, if you want to, if you, if when you first start learning how to ride a bike, uh, or you want to learn how to ride a bike with no hands, you know, it's going to hurt because you're going to fall a few times. <laughs> um, you don't know how much it's going to hurt, but unless you're willing to go in that unknown and feel the pain a little bit, uh, you'll never be able to, you know, uh, feel that feeling of riding a bike with no hands. And so you just have to go for it. Um, uh, and, and not be afraid to fall. Um, the second thing is, yeah, save more money. You know, I wish um, I, I wish I had some, you know, more financial guidance when I was younger. I think it's really important to to save some money uh, or get in that mindset where you're always saving a, some money for a rainy day. I think that's important at a young age. And the third thing is just, yeah, trust your gut. Some of the biggest mistakes I've made is when I've when I've not trusted my gut, those the, the spidey senses, those thing that the things that tell you in your mind, you know, I always regret when I don't trust my gut. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to listen to that voice in your head, and uh, and and action it. I think that's so right. I think we're 
we're all here for a purpose we all have a, an innate understanding of what's important to us and i think it's that intuition it's that gut feeling it's that knowing somewhere um that's a guiding light sometimes and i think you you do ignore that at your peril just to finish off is there a resource a podcast a book a video film anything which has had a big impact on your life and why was that um good question i would say is it okay if i say um two books absolutely of course okay so the first book is by an author called uh, dale carnegie and it was a book it's a really famous book but the book's titled um how to win friends and influence people and the title it doesn't really do it justice um but what it really taught me was how to train yourself to put yourself in the other person's shoes and that is something that takes a lot of time, effort, um, and, and and training. And it's not it's not something you get taught at school or university, um, but it really really helps in any situation when you force yourself to put yourself in the other person's shoes before you uh, before you take any kind of action. And so yeah, that's something that, that has, has really taught me a lot. That book. And I'd highly recommend it. Um, and the second book is, is is more of a business book, but it's called um, Predictable Revenue. And it's a book by a guy called um, Aaron Ross and Mary Lou Tyler. And that book is really a playbook for anyone that is thinking about building a business and selling into uh, institutes or selling into businesses or schools. Um, but it really focuses on the discipline, um, the discipline that you need in order to kind of um, consistently uh, build a business that can grow. Uh, and there's so many valuable lessons in that book. And literally, I can't take any credit for myself, but I, I, I try to apply uh, all of the lessons that we learned uh, through that book into our business. And, and that made a big, big impact on on, on on the success of our business because you know i don't as i said um well i'm a first-time entrepreneur i don't come from a, a business world my family doesn't come from a business world um so it's like you know learning uh, uh l- learning on the job so to speak absolutely but i, th- I think one of the most amazing things and, and that's one of the reasons the driving force is really for me started the podcast was that just sharing this information sharing these resources having conversations about how these things have affected different people and their different situations and how you can make it happen all this information's out there it's just a question of of being exposed to it and then using your intuition in lots of ways to kind of draw the bits that you need and then grow from there so i think that both of those are, are fantastic and um and thank you so much for sharing so let's finish off tell us where people can find out more about you so so they can take a look at exactly what it is that you offer yes yeah, so um uh, please uh, visit uh, teamsatchel.com um we've got lots and lots of information there about our products and services now, actually, one of the things that we're doing right now is we're introducing something called Satchel Classes. So it's a pilot where we're essentially running a whole number of short classes that last no more than 20 minutes um, that are focused on a single value proposition where, um, you know, you can subscribe to a class on how to become a lawyer, on, on uh, learning the ropes of uh, simultaneous equations Whatever it might be, we're trying to offer, uh, provide a series of structured classes 
uh, with teachers, with professionals that last no more than 20 minutes, but where you can really get a single takeaway from the, from the class. So there's a short pilot, we're just testing it. We're not sure whether we're gonna continue it or not, but we've had some fantastic um, feedback so far. And yeah, if, that, if that's something that you want to um, uh, 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 enroll for your, your son or, or, or daughter, or even for yourself, then please check it out. Sounds like a fantastic opportunity, and um, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Namish, I really appreciate you spending your time and and your your expertise and your understanding of of not just us here in in the current situation, but um, a very wise and and bright future. Um, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.